We live in a darkened world. It's growing worse each day. Satan has the victory. It's time we stand and say, let's pray. We serve a God that cares. We serve a God that's mighty. He is the one and only to wipe away all tears. Let's pray. We've seen what he can do in the darkest hour. God's a greatest power. He will get us through. Let's pray. We're on the winning side. Remember where he died. That stone was rolled away. So we can boldly say, Let's pray. We serve a God that cares. We serve a God that's mighty. He is the one and only to wipe away all tears. Let's pray. We've seen what he can do in the darkest hour. God's our greatest power. He will get us through. Let's pray. We serve a God that cares. We serve a God that's mighty. He is the one and only to wipe away all tears. Let's pray. We've seen what he can do. In the darkest hour, God's our greatest power. He will get us through. Let's pray. He will get us through. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. That's a great little song, isn't it? Amen. Let's pray. Boy, do we need to do that. Amen? The world in which we live. Well, tonight I said I was going to begin a series, and we're going to. It's on everlasting life. We're going to talk about everlasting life. And so, um, I, you know, uh, I think and believe that many times folks struggle with this element of their salvation. They they want to believe they're secure and safe, but I do think a number of people have a, a, a battle in that area. So I thought I'd just take some time over the next few weeks and just kind of kind of remind us again of the promises that the Lord has made to us and, and uh, address those issues. I, I don't think I talk to too many people that, even if they're good Christians, they, they'll say, every once in a while I still, you know, I struggle every once in a while. And I think, well, boy, I'd hate to think, you know, you have to struggle with that. But unfortunately, many do, and that means you're probably more normal than you're unnormal, or not normal, I guess I would say. But by the same token, I don't think God would have us to be doing that or worrying about that. He wants us to be confident, He wants us to be secure, and He wants us to be able to with, with just lay our head on the pillow at night and know, okay, I may not be everything I'm supposed to be, but I do know one thing, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, and I'm on my way to heaven. 
And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of that. And our, you know, our question basically is, you know, now that I'm saved, can I ever really lose my salvation? Now that I'm saved, can I ever lose my salvation? Now, once an individual has settled the question of salvation as the Bible declares it, and, and of course we know that that is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We understand that. It is extremely important and imperative that we understand how that decision affects our entire life. Now, turn, if you would, to Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. I don't know how much of this I'm going to get through tonight, but I, I have a lesson. It's only four pages, which is not that awfully long. But by the same token, I don't know if I'll get sidetracked slightly here or there. But Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, a very powerful statement made here in Jonah 2, 9. And I think it's one that's very important to understand along the way. But notice what he says here, Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. Now, I know Jonah's a pretty small book, so, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, if you've got to look at the table of contents, go ahead. But uh, uh, the fact is, it's pretty small. It's kind of tucked away in there. You can kind of run right over it a couple of times and go, oh, man, I know it's in here. Where's it at? Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, it's tough. So hopefully you're there. Let me read that, and you can read with me silently, but it says, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, that statement's so powerful to me. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, listen, I don't want to get into a dispensational debate here. I don't want to get into, you know, this or that, Old Testament versus New Testament. What I am going to say is this. Salvation is of the Lord. That's, that's what I'll say. That's what the Bible says. Salvation is of the Lord. Now, that's very important to understand. See, God's word again clearly states that salvation is of the Lord. That means then that if there's any salvation, it's the doing and it is the working of the Lord himself. If there's any salvation, it's God's work. It's him doing it then. And that means you and I are not the ones who produce or provide salvation then. It's all him. Now, again, that lays a foundation, and that's something that we need to understand. If we're ever going to find peace and, and security and safety in our salvation, and uh, we need to understand, first of all, it's all him. Now, many prefer to have you know, control over their destiny. You know, most people would prefer to say, well, I just leave it in my hands. You know, I, I, I like the, to have the control. At least then I know where I'm going, what's going to happen. I, I take control of it. I, I know the next step, that kind of thing. But the believer needs to recognize that even as a good father on earth is best suited to protect and preserve his children, so our heavenly father is best suited to protect and preserve us as well. We got to keep that in mind. I mean, he's better suited to care for you and your future than you are. Even as a child is incapable and unable to protect themselves from, say, the strong man, we're not able to protect ourselves from the strong man, Satan, either. I don't care how, how versed we are in the scriptures or how spirit-filled we believe ourselves to be. I'm telling you, we need the Lord Jesus Christ. Just because we believe something or because we think something's the case doesn't make it true. And the fact is, is that Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to stand up to the devil, not us. So, God our Father is omnipotent. He's all-powerful, and he alone is capable of saving and keeping us from the destroyer. 
And so we're very fortunate about that. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord that we are trusting in and that provides us this salvation is mightier and stronger than the devil himself. Now, even though we may feel better having control over our own destinies, there can be no doubt that God is best suited and the one who holds our futures in his hands. I'd rather have him doing that. Our salvation although it's provided for and presented by the Lord, we are still admonished as believers to examine ourselves. Now, this is important, and I want to spend a little time on this. We're told to examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith. Turn, if you would, to the, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. And, and again, this is maybe a misunderstood passage to some degree, but it's also one that even though contextually and doctrinally it's dealing with Judaizers as a whole, it still is something that you and I as individuals and as believers need to heed and, and truly uh, partake in. Now let's have a, a quick word of prayer once you get there, and then we'll continue on tonight. Father, we thank you for this time together. We are thankful for the word of God, and we're thankful for the simplicity of it. But Lord, we need you tonight. The truth is the devil wants to get us off track. He wants to, uh, to, to ultimately trip us up. Father, you, uh, you don't want that to be the case at all. And so help us to understand your word, to be confident in that word so that we aren't led astray by Satan, that, we're not, that, 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 that seeds of doubt are not able to be sown in our minds, but we would with all confidence believe that salvation is of the Lord, you. We thank you now. We praise you. And we just ask for your leadership tonight. In Christ's name, amen. Now, notice what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And again, I'm just, we're going to do more teaching tonight. I just want you to kind of, kind of, well, I want to work into this series a little bit. And, and I want us to get a foundation, first of all. So 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Are you not your own selves? How that Jesus Christ is in you? except you be reprobates. Now, the thing is, is that these Corinthians had demanded proof of Paul's apostleship. Earlier they had said, listen, we want, Paul, you know what, who do you think you are? And Paul says, okay, let me tell you who I am. And so Paul lays out his credentials. Paul ultimately shares with them who he is and what he's about. And so they had just shared, or, or should I say demanded, proof of Paul's apostleship now he turns around and challenges them to prove their salvation. Now it was a time for them to apply, if you would, as we would often say, the acid test to the gold of their profession. To find out whether or not that profession of faith or that gold was really genuine in their life. And that acid test is a very simple acid test. Here it is. Did they have the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ in their hearts? That's the acid test. Is Christ in you? Am I a child of God? Am I saved? Am I born again? Am I uh, truly on my way to heaven? Do I have everlasting life? Question, is Christ in you? And that's the question Paul is asking, basically. That's what he's asking of them. You know, Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, said, For I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, he says. The acid test is Christ in you. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. 
Is Christ in you? That's what the Apostle Paul was asking them. So the indwelling presence of Christ is proof positive that we have genuine regeneration. However, he points out the alternative to this genuine regeneration. (laughs) Notice what he says. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you? Except ye be what? Reprobates. Now, I believe, again, it's important that we realize that Paul is most likely writing this to Judaizers. He's got these Judaizers in mind, and the Judaizers were those who would attack him continually. They, they basically claimed that they, they, they had their place with God, but they wanted nothing to do with the God that Paul was proclaiming and preaching. They wanted nothing to do with Jesus Christ. And so he uses this very strong term to describe those who are not in the faith. He uses this term reprobates. Now the word for reprobates is used of people who practice sodomy as a lifestyle. Now Paul had pointed out in Romans, and if you would take the time to read it, chapter 1 verse 28, he goes on to say that God had given them over to a reprobate mind. Therefore reprobates then are those that are given over to a reprobate mind. Again, this is very strong language. But also, the same word is also used to describe apostates from the faith in Galatians 6, 8. When the Bible tells us there, it says, which beareth thorns and briars and is rejected. That word rejected is the same word that is is used for reprobates. Now, that is not a problem with the King James. That's just how it is being translated by the the translators in order to get across the point. And the point is, is that once again, who beareth thorns and briars and is rejected. So we see this element of reprobates being those that are in deep sin and rejected of God here. And he goes on to say, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Wow. Wow. Listen, this is serious business. Paul is speaking now to these Judaizers and he's reminding them, you've asked me about my credentials and now I want to know about yours. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. And again, they had mixed themselves into this congregation once again. Listen, not everybody in a church is as genuine and pure and has their motives as clean and pure as they ought to be. And in this case, Paul is addressing these issues Now again, the warning itself is not directed at a carnal or worldly or even a backslidden Christian. That's not who he's talking to. He's not talking about some believer who is losing their salvation because they're not really truly born again. Because if you're truly born again, you can't lose it anyway. In Romans chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There's no condemnation. So the warning has to do with apostasy as it's being used in this passage with the Apostle Paul. That's what he's focusing. That's where he's directing his attention, to the apostate. And an apostate is not and never has been a genuine believer. And I don't care, although they may profess to have been a believer, they never truly were because you can't lose it. Let me give you an example of this. It's interesting, I... I, I had a, um, 
Now, hopefully I can find this. It was just in my, my stuff here. I just cut it out, actually. Where is it at? Did I drop it? Oh, there it is. It's over here. I was reading just before I came into the uh, auditorium the Sword of the Lord for this, this, this issue of the Sword of the Lord. I just was scanning through. I, I, don't, I don't always read the Sword of the Lord, but, but I do like to read the articles. You know, the, the, the present day, what's going on every day, the news article things. Well, I just read one. Just as I skimmed through it real fast, and I found this. And I thought, that's perfect for what we're talking about today. The, the title of it is, and again, it's um, Brother Shelton Smith, you know, the, the editor. He will often write some comments, editor comments at the bottom when he shares some new story. Well, here's the, the, the title. The, the title is CCM Singer Renounces His Faith. Hawk Nelson, that's a group, by the way, Hawk Nelson. It was founded in 2004. It's a Canadian Christian rock group. But Hawk Nelson, lead singer Jonathan Steingard, announced on Instagram he no longer believes that God exists. I don't believe it. He said, quote, once I found that I didn't believe the Bible was the perfect word of God, He's Steinord 36. He wrote, it didn't take long to realize that I was no longer sure if he was there at all. Wretched radio host Todd, I don't know what that all means, but he just wrote it in there. I don't know what that means. Todd Freed told his audience, the longtime singer-songwriter who grew up as a pastor's kid also questioned why Jesus died for the sins of mankind. It appears that Steingard lived his life, quote, entertained and entertaining Freed warned, but still doesn't know the truth of the gospel. Now, the editor, Dr. Sheldon Smith, he writes this. Obviously, it is sad to see this happen to anybody, but there is something we must not forget. Anyone who loses his faith did not have the salvation that the Lord Jesus gives. Whatever you think you had, if you can lose it, what you had did not come from God. The new birth creates new life in us, that is everlasting, he says. Now listen, I, I think it's important to recognize this. And it's so important to realize that that's the case indeed. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I want you to, re, uh, to, to turn there, if you would, and we'll see these apostates in action. Again, it is very confusing. You say, I know somebody that got saved at a VBS when they were nine years old, and, and, and until they were in, out of high school, they continued to go to the youth group, and then they just denied Jesus Christ. They denied God. They want nothing to do with the church. They don't even believe that there is a God anymore. They believe in evolution. Did they lose their salvation, or they never have it? I'm not so convinced. I, I have a hard time believing, like Dr. Shelton Smith said, I, I think the, the apostate, he can put on a good front in the long run. And I don't think you necessarily are intending to deceive anybody, but to turn your back so far, 180 degrees, and not be questioning situations, but literally come to a conclusion that I don't even believe God, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe the word of God, I don't believe in salvation as it's outlined in the Bible, I don't want nothing to do with God, the church, or anything else i got to wonder if you aren't apostate. You say, you don't have a right to decide that. Well, I don't have to judge them, but I do have a Bible that kind of outlines some things here. And all I know is, is I wouldn't want to be in that position, would you? If I was examining my salvation, if I was that man right now, I would start to wonder if I was saved, wouldn't you? 
2 Corinthians eleven thirteen says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. We have these Judaizers that are attacking the apostle Paul. They have allowed themselves or had been involved in Judaism. And of course, we know that, it, that Jesus Christ came into Judaism as a result of being born a Jew. By the way, it, he's not white, so we don't need to tear his statues down. Listen, I'm about fed up with people talking about tearing Jesus statues down in churches. That's ridiculous. Anybody that has any common sense knows you don't do that. Get real. But look how radical we are today. We're out of our minds. But nonetheless, I just had to say that. It bothers me. But in this case, they were born into Judaism because, of course, being a Jew, they're your Judaism in Judaism. The only problem was that Judaism isn't the way to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way. God, to get to God, you got to go through Christ himself. He is the answer. It's not a religion that gets you to heaven. It's a person, Jesus Christ. And so in this case, he's speaking to these Judaizers who are saying, listen, we are truly religious. And they were religious. But religion, again, doesn't get you to heaven. I mean, Judaizers can be real religious. I mean, you got a lot of so-called, quote, Christians that are real religious. I don't know if they're truly Christian, but the word Christian's thrown around like no matter what you believe, as long as you believe in Jesus or you believe in the name Jesus, then you can be Christian today. But that's not a biblical definition of a Christian. But here they are claiming to be religious. Here they are claiming to have a relationship with God the Father, but they want nothing to do with Jesus who died on Calvary, was buried and rose again. And Paul's pointing out that if you don't have Christ in you, you are reprobates. I don't care how religious you are. It doesn't matter to me how many times you go to church even. You need Christ in you. That is the acid test. And he says, there are those who can really look the part, but that doesn't mean they are. Now, I believe that although Paul doctrinally is focusing his attention on these Judaizers, I have no doubt that as a believer in the body, that we are to also take heed to Paul's admonition here. And we too are to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith. Now, we're not to do it in a sense of, so we can, you know, always question our salvation in the sense that, oh, no, am I really saved? Am I really saved? No. What we're going to find is that if we would apply this to our life and we would regularly, consistently examine ourselves, whether we be in the faith, you'd be surprised how you as a believer with the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ will be continually encouraged as you note evidence of the Spirit's presence. When you recognize and you remember each and every day how that conviction comes when you sin, how that comfort comes when you're hurting, how that peace flows whenever you realize your circumstances aren't exactly what they ought to be, but there's a supernatural peace that follows. When you see the illuminating Spirit of God taking you through the Word and revealing to you truths that you did not see before. 
as you find yourself having the courage to stand up in public and re represent the Lord Jesus Christ and boldly proclaim his name. And you say, man, I know Christ. He lives in me. He empowers me and enables me. And I'm examining myself whether I be in the faith. I'm asking myself, is Christ in me? What can I see and what evidence is there to prove that in my life? And people are like, well, you shouldn't have to. Once you're saved, you're saved. I'm going to tell you, you ought to examine yourself regularly. You ought to look at your life and ask yourself, what evidence is there of an indwelling presence of Jesus Christ in my life? I'm not talking about so that you walk around going, I don't think I'm saved. If you don't think you're saved, friend, after examining your heart for the presence of Christ in your life, then you better get on another quest and find out where he is so that you can get him in. But if you don't have him in your life, you may just find that you've revealed a very desperate need in your life. It serves well to examine our lives. The reality of Christ in us affects our outlook. It affects our actions. There ought to be fruit that abounds in our lives as a result of Christ in us. If I have an apple tree in my yard, I'm going to have apples being produced. Now, in like manner, Christ in us produced fruit in our lives. And we could turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of, the, uh, the fruit of uh, let's see, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, I would be remiss to say this, though. If I didn't point out, if I don't point this out, I would probably leave here and some would say, well, you didn't figure it out, preacher. You know what? You could put an apple tree in your backyard and it may not produce fruit. It depends on the conditions. You're right, it does, doesn't it? Isn't that interesting? You could have an apple tree in the backyard, but if the, there aren't certain conditions that are met, that thing will never produce fruit. You say, what kind of things? Well, the proper climate, precipitation, sunlight, just to name a few. If you don't have the proper conditions, you know, focused on that backyard, that tree isn't going to produce fruit. And can I tell you, in your life and in mine, there's a possibility that the tree's been planted, but you're not properly placing the right conditions in order for which the fruit to flow? So again, the point of examining ourselves isn't necessarily just to say, wow, oh boy, I've certainly questioned my salvation. I mean, if you ever want to doubt your salvation, just read 1 John. But, but, but the fact is, and I, I just threw that out there, but anyway, uh, the fact is, is that God doesn't intend for us to always go around questioning our salvation. He doesn't want that. But let me tell you, the best way not to have to ever question is to consistently examine it. I mean, how many times have you examined your salvation and really asked the question, am I truly saved? Is Christ living in me? Is there evidence of an indwelling presence of Jesus Christ in my life? When's the last time you asked the question? I guarantee if you had asked that question consistently, you'd be all the way up here in your Christian walk and life. And if you could answer in the affirmative all the way, you probably aren't questioning it today. It's when we fail to ask the question and our life begins to stray and curve from God's principles and ultimately his direction in our life, we get to this point and we look back and go, wow, there's just things in my life that don't belong. I wonder if I'm even saved you got to examine yourself. It's important to do so. Fruit should be evident in my life. It should be evident in your life. But if it's not, then you better be doing some powerful examining. Why? 
Either you've not cultivated an environment in which Christ can grow and ultimately provide fruit, or you lack Christ altogether. Hence, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobate. So the fruit-bearing Christian will be encouraged and strengthened by this examination. While the backslidden or carnal Christian will recognize their neglect and likely be reminded to turn back to God and once again enjoy his goodness. Either way, examination is beneficial and should be performed regularly. It's Christ living in me. Now, you do realize, and and I'm I'm sure you do, there are only two spiritual families. Only two. There's the devil's family. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 8, verse 44. You say, well, I thought we were going to talk about eternal life. We are. We're really talking a lot about it. But I think it's important that we understand the foundation, the basis of all of this. When's the last time somebody said, you know, I'm doubting my salvation. I think I'm in the family of Satan. Who says that? Who says, I think I'm the devil's child. I'm doubting my salvation this week. I'm the devil's child. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever, ever, ever had anybody tell me that. Usually, people that are doubting their salvation, a lot of times they're doubting it because the devil's just kind of throwing some temptation their way. Maybe they're, they're feeling kind of low and, and, and the devil's kind of got a foothold in their life a little bit. Maybe they've allowed themselves to see some things they shouldn't see, do some things they shouldn't do, go place they shouldn't go, and so they're a little bit weak right now and the devil gets in there and goes, yeah, if you was really a Christian, you'd never go there. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't. But I don't know, I don't know too many that go, the moment I start doubting, I think I'm just the, child, the devil's kid. If you understand these principles, that, listen, you are either in God's family or you're in the devil's family. And you don't go from one to the other. You are either in or out. And here's the bottom line in John 8, Jesus is talking and he makes it very clear that there is the devil and the devil is a father to some. Ye are of your father, chapter 8, verse 44, John. You're of your father, the devil, Who's he speaking to in the passage? Again, religious leaders of his day. He's expressing to them those who thought themselves to be so righteous and so, so, uh, so self-righteous even that here he is now. By the way, guys, I just want to wise you up a little bit. I want to give you a little info. I, I want to train you up, teach you up, practice you up, whatever it is. By the way, you're your father, the devil. And you know how foreign that would sound to them? They'd be like, you're an idiot. Calling me a child of the devil? I'm the one who gave my life to seminary. I'm the one who gave my life to the ministry. I'm the one who's out there with blinders on trying not to see the wrong things so that I can be right with God. And you're telling me I'm of my father, the devil? You're out of your mind. But they were the ones. Why do you think we ought to examine ourselves? You better make sure Christ's in you. You are either going to be in the devil's family or you're going to be in God's family. There's no in-between here. I'm a good person. Well, if you're a good person without Christ living in you, you're in the devil's family. That's a biblical truth. It's a reality. It is what we call fact today. We're not good on facts in America. But this is what we call facts, and they're in the Word of God. 
Notice he goes on to say, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. Now let me ask you who these, what these men did to Jesus. They did exactly what their father would do, murdered him. So John 8.44 speaks of a group of people who are of their father the devil, in John 8, 38, Jesus said, I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. Now again, I'm telling you, there is no need to ever go out and try to pick a fight with people or to create division among you, your work, co-workers, your family. You don't have to work at that. You don't have to try to create friction. The truth of the word of God has plenty of lines drawn in the sand that if someone wants to pick a fight, they got plenty of ground to do so. Now listen, I'm not, I, I believe, you know, as, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. That's what the Bible teaches. Don't go around looking for a fight. Man, the devil's quick to bring it your way anyway if you're standing true to the word of God, even if you have a sweet spirit. And you ought to have a sweet spirit. Your desire ought to be that everybody's in the family of God. Everybody. I'm talking about the ones you don't even like. This idea that we can pick and choose who we want in heaven and who we don't, well, that person deserves to go to hell. Whoever made you God? Last time I checked, he died for them. What, you mean you're bigger and better than God is? You mean they hurt you worse than God has been hurt by them? I mean, they murdered his son. Their sin put Jesus on the cross, and yet Jesus, God allowed him to die for them. What'd they do to us? You kidding me? Now, I'm not saying anybody's doing that here, but I thought I'd throw it out there just to keep us from doing it, I guess. We are born into his family by a physical father, or this family, yes, and it'd be the devil's family, by a physical father, who is ultimately a descendant of who? Adam. So the Bible points out that the descendants of Adam are born in Adam's image, and they're born in Adam's likeness, which is that of a fallen sinner. Turn, if you would, to Genesis 5.3. Again, this idea that we are all the children of God, that's not really biblical. We are all the creation of God. We are not the children of God. You are created by God just like I've been created by God in that regard, but we are not all the children. You're only the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Christ has to be living in you, at least to biblically meet the criteria of Christian and of child of God. Notice he says, and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Again, Adam here is a sinner by this point. He has rebelled against God. As a result, that tripartiteness of, of Adam, that body, soul, spirit that once was all alive to God, he died in a, a portion of that tripartiteness. He had his body, he had his spirit, but his soul was dead to God. And we would say spirit, but your soul, we talk about soul being saved. Why? Because the soul is who we really are. 
But so we would say body, soul, and spirit, his spirit compartment was dead. That's how we would say it potentially, that something inside where Christ would reside, that died that day. He was incomplete now. He was running on two of three cylinders. And you know what he produced? A child that was running on two instead of three cylinders. That's what he produced. So that, that person still had that soulish attitude where they still could function on earth, just like we talked about. Animals have souls, not living souls, though, but they have personality. So this uh, Adam has his body and his personality and his being, but he doesn't have that, as we would say, spirit compartment that is alive unto God anymore, where once he walked in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with the Father, now that spirit compartment is dead. Christ is no, not in there. God's not in there. It's dead. Let me tell you what, the devil's glad to fill that compartment. Be careful with that. Talk about being demon-possessed. Be careful with that. Someone says, well, I'm a Christian. Well, make sure that you are. Make sure that you are indwelt with God because I don't believe that the devil will dwell in the same place God will. I think you're pretty safe. Uh, but I do believe you can still yield yourself to the, being a tool in the hand of the devil, though. But I don't believe you can be, as they would say, demonically possessed if Christ lives in you because light and darkness can't dwell together. We know that. But nonetheless, he now is having children. They are two of three cylinders. They're, they're operating on two of three. And that's the reality now. And so you and I inherited the sin nature from our father, Adam. And so as a result of that, we are born into a physical family on earth, but we are also born into the family of the devil without fellowship with God. Now that is horrible. That's so hard to wrap our minds around because we see these sweet, darling little children and we think to ourselves, oh, they're so sweet. And you know what? No child would ever go to hell. There's no way. God's not, they're not old enough to make decisions on their own. They don't have any say in and whether or not they can believe and trust on Jesus. And so God says, well, they're not capable of doing so. I'll do that for them. <laughs> they're safe in my, they're good with me. David said, listen, I can't come to you, but, or you can't come to me now, that son that passed away, but I can come to you. What's he saying? He's saying that child went to be with the Lord. And I'll be with you soon, but you can't come to me, I'll go to you. Romans 5.12 also states that there's a penalty for sin. And of course, we know that to be death. And so the Bible goes on to say, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So we have the devil's family, but then we kind of look to the other family, God's family. And there in John chapter 3, verse 7, we'll turn to John chapter 3. We're going to close it down here, but turn to John chapter 3. I wanted to get to an illustration. I'm not going to get to it. But that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll address this later. John chapter 3. Powerful passage in the scriptures. Notice what he says in chapter 3, verse uh, right there in 1. There was a man named, uh, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, verse 1. Verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night 
and asked him, Rabbi, you know, we know that thou art the teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God uh, be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He even goes on down in verse 7 to say, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So what we're seeing then is we're born into the devil's family through a physical birth. We're born into God's family through what kind of birth? Spiritual. What does that spiritual birth do? It's a recognition, of course, of Jesus Christ as being the only way, the truth, and the life. When we invite Christ into our life, what we're not, we're not doing really, it's, it's, it's kind of weird. It's like we're really just acknowledging what he did for us on Calvary and that we accept his payment for sin. And what happens is the moment we trust him to, to deal with our sin and to forgive us and to save us, the moment we place our personal trust in him, he then says, guess what, I'm moving in. I'm taking up residency inside. Now, I don't think you had to say, oh, Jesus, come into my heart necessarily to be saved. Because he's coming in your heart if you believe on it. Now, it doesn't hurt to say it, but let me tell you something. It was never the words you said that got you saved to begin with. It was never what you said that settled your salvation. It was what was in here. See, this is the key. And, and we say the heart, but we know we mean the mind, really. You made a conscious decision to believe on the Lord. And the Bible says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Did you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the only real question. Because if you did, then guess what he did? He moved inside of you, took up permanent residency in your life. And can I tell you, that is the acid test. Is Christ in me? And if he's in you, then you're saved. By the way, if he's in you, you then have been born again. You've been allowed to experience the spiritual birth. That physical birth took you from here to here, Satan's family. That spiritual birth took you from here, Satan's family, into God's family. Just like that. Just like that. It's, it's instantaneous even. It's not something that you have to then continue to work at, strive for. You simply receive and accept Christ for who and what he is and what he's done on your behalf and acknowledge that. And he says, you know what? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, you know what he's saying? Whosoever shall call on him, whosoever shall uh, acknowledge him for who he is, whosoever shall say, God, I need you, I can't get to heaven alone, i got to have you. You're the only hope I got. We make it, you know, we like to make it real pretty in some of the tracks. You know, we've got these sample prayers, and I think they're excellent. I think that's wonderful, and it's important to do, because people don't know how to call on the Lord. But truly, honestly, I don't even know, that you, you don't have to say one word, and you can call on it. I believe there are people that sit out in the pew during the message and as the altar call is being given in their heart, they've made a decision for Christ and before they even get to the altar, they're already saved. I believe that. Now again, it doesn't change the fact that they're saying a prayer and, and that prayer kind of solidifies their heart's feeling and that's wonderful. But salvation is of the Lord. It's not what you do anyway. It's not what I do. And he says, but as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Galatians 3.26, for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. The devil's family, God's family. 
You're in one or the other. You say, I just don't know if I'm saved. The, the real issue is, what family are you in? You say, well, that makes it... I mean, I, be, I, believe, I believe the Bible's true, and I believe in Jesus Christ, and, and I, 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 I'm just saying, you're going to be in one or the other, and sometimes... The devil's really tripping you up when you probably don't need tripped up. We're, we're going to talk more about specifics about that in the future, but I wanted to lay kind of a foundation a little bit today. I wanted to talk a little bit about eternity here, but I don't have time. We're going to close it down, but we'll talk more about that next time we get together here on Wednesday, next Wednesday maybe. And we'll, we'll talk about eternity and about this thing called everlasting life. But boy, I'll tell you what, aren't you glad that salvation is of the Lord? <laughs> I am. And I'll tell you one thing, if it wasn't of the Lord and it had anything to do with me, I'd be in real trouble today. But I'm glad it's all him. I'm glad it's him. And I'm glad it takes place here and not out here, because I mess this up all the time. I mess it up all the time. But God's good, isn't he? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for just everyone that's gathered. And Lord, again, I, I'm, I know that Good people struggle at times with this element of eternal life and settling uh, whether or not they know for sure they're going to go to heaven when they die. And Lord, I, I mean, it is. It, it, can be, it can just be grueling. It can be so difficult on us. And there's reasons for why we may feel that way. It may be that the devil's fighting us. It may be that we're just insecure in our own decisions. It may be a lot of reasons. But the fact is, is that we are either in your family or we're in the devil's family. And either you're living in us or you're not. Help us, Lord, to realize that it's pretty definite. It's one or the other. There is no in-betweens. Lord, help us, Father, to be faithful to you. Now, Lord, we love you, we need you, and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. Maybe tonight as you stand with every head.